I'm Don Kennedy, your host of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. I'm an attorney, author, mentor, and CEO of a growing coffee company. Thanks for joining me on the show that looks at all aspects of business from the mindset to the sales to the money left over at the end of the month with tips and strategies to help you navigate this amazing ride called entrepreneurship. Thanks for making us part of your journey. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. So if you run a brick and mortar business, this one is definitely for you. So I brought Carolyn on here, who is an expert in some pretty cool stuff around space planning. And I wanted to make sure that you got this information. So Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad to be here, Don. Thank you. Why don't you start by telling everyone who you are and who you serve? So uh, my name is Carolyn Bolt, and I own a company named Crossfields, and we serve holistic and healthcare providers in helping them improve their image so that they can attract and retain more patients, maximize their flow so that they have the best um, efficiencies, and then through expertise, save them time and money. Love that. So when we were talking about doing this episode, one of the main things that we were talking about was that the space that somebody has in their business is incredibly important to customer expectation. So can we talk about that first? Oh, Excellent. Yes, be happy to. Well, the the main focus that I would say is that when people walk into your space, they make a first impression that you can never you can never get back your first impression. And if that first impression is not in alignment with what you are and who you're trying to who you're trying to how you're trying to present your professionalism, if it if it does if there's a disconnect, then you begin to lose as soon as they walk in. So our goal is to help you win as soon as they walk in. So what does what are kind of the key components to that? So besides being like clean, for example, what else will we need to look at? Well, the the clean is is number one. It's amazing how many clean. I'm going to not just say clean. I'm also going to say cluttered. So it's amazing how cluttered offices can get and your environment can get cluttered so quickly and so easily. And when people see that, it's um, it becomes a little bit of an overwhelm to them. <clears throat> and they're not able to focus on anything that you really want them to focus on. I'll give you a good example is that we do work with a lot of chiropractors and holistic healthcare professionals. And their front counter becomes like a I call it the flat the flat surface syndrome. It's like everything they can imagine they're putting up there on that flat surface, trying to market to their patients um, the new the new vitamin that they have or the new uh, seminar that they're giving or whatever. And it's just a plethora. And so your patients don't pay attention to any of it. And it just becomes very messy and almost a barrier to entry. So that's one of the first ones. It's just getting rid of clutter, getting rid of, um, you heard the con- the concept of minimalizing your space so that people can focus and not be over distracted. Yes, cleanliness. I'm going to go back to that a second. It's amazing you know, how your bathroom is very, very important that it's clean and tidy because if your bathroom's not clean, I mean like the grout needs to be clean, that type of stuff, that gives an impression that your whole space is uh, dirty. So cleanliness and clutter are absolutely number one. Okay, so the next thing that, um, and I'm offering your uh, listeners a free checklist. We call it our five-point designer checklist. And it's actually what we use progressively to go through the space. So let me go back and start from another perspective is that you, most business owners can't do this themselves because they're too 
they're blind to it. They're they're too in it. They're too enmeshed in it. So what we highly recommend is you find a valued confidant that you know will tell you the truth and that would actually act as your patient avatar, your patient, um, who your ideal patient is, because that's who you're attracting, right? That's all. It's all about that. So we would ask that you walk through with them and ask them their opinion. So the things that besides clutter, yes, look at clutter, cleanliness. But another thing is, is this place dated? So dated means that it's old colors, old styles, old being really seven to 10 years things date. Now that doesn't mean everything that's 10 years old is dated. There's some classicness to it, but colors pretty much date every seven to 10 years. So the colors, the styles, the things of that sort, are they dated? Because if you walk into a space that's dated, your mind says, this space is not up to date. I'm not working with the latest and greatest that I could have. I there's there It's not the best. So that's, so having dated. Another thing is that are things worn out? and torn and ripped? And um, are your exam tables or adjusting tables or whatever you're working with, do they have, I've seen them with duct tape on them. I'm like, you know, that's not, that's not professional. So it's just the little things that we get by with to keep going. Are your pick, are there too many pictures on the wall? And are the pictures straight? Some of that kind of goes back to the, are things worn out? I kind of went back into, but are they worn out? Are your are the edges, are the walls scuffed, et cetera. So those are kind of the general things. Then the other thing we look at is what can you do is, is the lighting is another, it's one of the five points. So the lighting of a space can make a huge impact in how people feel when they walk in. Is it too, if it's really, really bright, it gives a lot of energy. If it's really dark, it helps calm people down. But the goal is, is it on purpose? Is it doing what you want to do on purpose? And so those are the five main things we work on. And when we first look at doing a refresh of, to someone's office. So refreshing an office, maybe doing some updating and those kinds of things. Instead of doing an entire remodel, like let's say every seven to 10 years, which could be quite a budget hit, what could you check on or do intentionally, maybe over a little bit of time to keep yourself updated and fresh and inviting uh, you know, as you're going through maybe a seven to 10 year period? Well, the biggest thing is color. The color, color dates faster than anything. And what color scheme you have in your office where the, and so let me just speak something. The most inexpensive way you can make an impact in your office is with paint. That is the most, so not painting everything the same color, but painting everything intentionally where there's where there's accents or there's a variation of mood as you walk through the space. The little bit darker colors in your rooms that you'd want people to be quieter, brighter colors in your general open areas. That's kind of a general knowledge. But then the actual color itself um, dates just like clothing. You know, if you think about clothing, you can tell you you can look through your closet and you can see clothes that are dated because the colors are no longer valid unless everything in your closet is black and white. But do you under, even that can date? Do you know what I'm saying? So color paint is the fastest thing you can do. 
Okay. And what is the impact on somebody's, I guess, loyalty or brand awareness uh, with color as far as keeping either patients or customers coming back? So let's go back to the very purpose of why your space is even important, because that's a great question, Don. So if you think about it and you walk in, in your brick and mortar office, that is where you see, and yes, we work with doctors. So yes, that's where you see patients. But even if it's a real estate office, even if it's a any other kind of office, if you have people coming to your office and they're walking in, your office is your first impression image of who you are. And if that is disconnected, as I said before, there is a disconnect in who you are. So let me bring that bring that to some examples. Uh, we teach classes to students. And one of the things I talk about is let's look at a Walmart. Walmart is very purposely designed to complement their goal of being the low price leader. Purposely believe it or not. So that it, they they have, and they are very successful at doing that. So if you want to be the low price leader, the design of Walmart may be something you want to follow where it's bright lights. It's lots of, lots of information all around you, primary colors, because that tends to go for the lower economic level, things of that sort. Let's go the other opposite and say you go into a high-end designer store. It's going to be exactly the opposite. The light levels are going to be varied. The colors are going to be very neutral. You're not going to see a lot of display and advertisement. And when people walk in there, they're going to expect to pay a lot of money versus walking into Walmart, they're going to expect to not pay a lot of money. So you, the, the first thing we tell our all of our clients is you need to just identify who your brand is and what your brand and your ideal avatar is working to express to you. And most are in between, most are in between the high end and the low, but that is still important. So when you walk in, there's a not a disconnect. So are you a Macy's? Are you a Target? Are you a, I'm talking retail. So retail is your first impression. Retail design uses first impressions so that people want to buy. So they want to sign up. They want to become new because the first thing you're doing is your new patients and you want people to refer. So you want them to be proud of the space. The second thing we do in design is we look at hospitality design. So hospitality design creates a culture within the space. Interior design is very much a psychology. What we do with color, what we do with lines, what we do with volume and shape and all of those things is all about impacting a human being's psychology. And that psychology is either, once again, it's either working for you or against you. So most most doctors want their patients to want to stay there and come back. Um, are you creating a culture? And can you purposely create that culture to make that happen? And the perfect example of culture is to us that we use all the time is Starbucks. So Starbucks took a relatively low-priced item. Yes, they have a lot of profit in it, but a relatively low-priced item and created an environment that people want to hang out in. And that environment uses light and color to make that happen, along with a great, great front desk staff. But the light and color that we're talking about today. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought about that. But yeah, Walmart, the way that it's laid out and, you know, using like yellow price tags and things like that to draw attention to the price itself, meaning they're probably competing on price versus going into a higher end store where the prices may not be immediately on the racks, they're on the tags on the clothes. So 
you know, I guess when you first decide where you want to be, do you decide that on price point with your avatar or do you decide that maybe with some other variables? Well, you start with your business plan. So where is your business plan? What is your business model? Um, You know, what are your services going to cost? Where's the value in those services? Um, You know, we were talking earlier, so we we started, we do work with all types of holistic doctors and healthcare, but we really started in the chiropractic world and they're very much focused on patient volume and how, and, and they'll have patients that will sign up for an extended care plan, which is why culture is so important to them because they want their patients to stay on the care plan and keep coming back. And they'll look at the value of that average patient and you know, you'll have the lower priced volume or high volume, lower priced project. And that needs to appeal to that. Is, is your socioeconomic group, what's your socioeconomic group and how are you trying to make the money there versus some specialty doctors will be much more high end, like a let's go to a plastic surgeon. It's very much a choice. There's usually a very higher, higher economic clientele that goes there. That space needs to reflect their their expectations and that comfort. So yes, you have to start with your business plan. What are you trying to do? And when we work with clients, we start there. What is your business plan? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Then we start to work toward not only how you're accomplished, but who's your ideal client. And then we start to work toward designing a space that will appeal and attract that that ideal client. So if I'm in business, let's say, you know, three years already or four years already, um, you would just kind of look at my existing clientele and could refresh the space based on what I'm already doing? Or would there be opportunity to maybe switch slightly and make a design that could elevate the space and maybe change services? You know what? I would say either. So we have clients that work on either level. We'll have clients that come to us and just, they haven't updated their space in 20, 30 years. And they're not changing their clientele. They're not changing their patient base, but they just know that they need, they probably have someone else telling them they know they need it. Let me give you an example. Doctors that want to sell their practice are told by the people that are marketing their practice, the business marketing. If your space is not updated, you can expect to get about $100,000 less for the sale of your practice just because your space is not updated. It doesn't matter how much, how many clientele you have. It's that one factor. So that's how important it is to just what you're trying to do. And so it's always about elevating. It's always about going to another level, whether you're trying to sell it or whether you're just been in it a long time and you see your patient, you can't attract the new patients anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? That there's something, there's usually some pain triggering it somewhere along the way before, because it is a, it is work to change out your space. You know, even if you're painting, you have to shut down for a weekend to do that. So, so yes, it's usually pain oriented. There are, we have uh, doctors that come to us that are expanding their services, expanding their, their clientele, they're shifting. Uh, I have a doctor I love to talk about that was in South Carolina and he went, wanted to go from the country chiropractor to, he was focusing on neurology and much more higher end ticket items, services, and he needed to switch his whole image. And he moved to a new space that was literally down the street from him, switched his whole entire image to attract those patients. And it proved out 
you know, that those patients came to him and they bought where he was still trying to do it in the country space and it wasn't working. So we see a 20% increase typically in um, profitability clientele and all of that when people update their space. So the perception inside the space, so besides the clutter and the lighting and things like that, really drive that bottom line profit. Yes, very much. Think retail, think, think hospitality, think of the restaurant. You know, that's that space is critical to what you're trying to do on the inside. So besides the clutter, the cleanliness and the lighting and things, let's talk about flow. Okay. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit, I think, when we were discussing this episode about how you know easy it is for clients to like navigate and what that impact it may have on people returning or on people choosing a long-term uh, business opportunity with you. So what about kind of the flow of the space is important? So not just kind of the um, you know, the clutter or the cleanliness, but really the whole layout really also defines your clientele. Very much so. Yes, very much so. So um, there's three typical flows in most doctor's office. There is the uh, new patient flow. There's the existing patient flow. And then there's the staff flow. So the new patient flow is typically escorted. So it's that first impression. It's what they see around you. They're absorbing everything. And they're typically escorted through the space. And ideally would have some type of orientation walkthrough of where they're going and what they're doing so that they can start to feel comfort. What you're trying to do is you're trying to help them feel comfortable so that they trust you. So that is typically escorted, as I said. Existing patient flow means that they've already been there. They typically are not escorted any longer. And if you've done a good job on the first new patient flow, then they feel comfortable through their escorted flow. I mean, their unescorted flow as an existing patient, but it still needs to have logic to it. It still needs to make sense of there's a hallway and and that's where I'm going and that's the room that I need to go to. And this is where my exams are. This is where the treatments are, et cetera. It just needs to have a, a logic that makes sense to them. And the last flow is actually the most cost-driven flow and that's your staff flow. So your staff, if they have to walk up and down a long corridor all day long, you're going to wear them out. It's going to, they're going to, they're not going to be efficient. They're not going to be effective. So creating efficiency so that your staff can do what they need to do. And it's close. Items are close. Things are close to what their goals are. That is very critical to your bottom line also. Yeah. So it sounds like the space planning all the way around, the color, the uh, ambiance, the feeling that you get when you walk in the door, the colors, the cluttering. If I'm somebody who's looking around going, whoa, it's been a while or, hey, you know, it's worked for us for this, but now we are really thinking about changing other than the paint, right, which would be the easiest. And like you said, the, the quickest fix. Um, what would be the next thing I might want to put money aside to invest in? Would it be changing floor plan? Does that have higher impact? Or would it be some of these other things like changing out lighting or maybe furniture? Well, that's a that let me just tell you, when we start, we always focus on the philosophy that form follows function. So I know that everyone's heard that, but what does that really mean? So to us, form being the three-dimensional space, the design of the space, doesn't matter if function doesn't isn't working. So you have to make sure it functions first. 
we say it's the lip, lipstick on the pig syndrome. So if you are in a space that is not functioning, it's impeding your flow, as we just talked about, it's bottlenecking at, you know, you your patients have to go around each other to get to places. You, you know where bottlenecks are. A lot of times they're at the checkouts. A lot of times they're at some place that you've got too many patients that are trying to go at one time. That impeding your revenue immediately. So making sure that the flow works is the most important thing. Now, if you have to also look at what that's going to do to you physically, if you have to change the flow, because sometimes the flow can cost a lot of renovation and a lot of a lot of work, and you may not be in a position that you can do that. So you have to look at There's so many factors involved. Are you renting the space and how long is your lease? Let's start there. You're renting the space. Your lease is not very long. You realize the flow, it's not working for you. Okay, how long is your lease left? Maybe all we do is do a paint and powder. We call that paint and powder. We kind of do a refresh, but we get prepared for your next space and you plan to move out because a renovation could be too much downtime and too costly. Could be, or it's just opening up a couple of, rooms and that makes it work for you. So it can vary. So first we focus on that function. Now let's go to a whole nother area and you own your space. You need it to function well. And you might have to have a whole, we have clients that have whole remodels of the existing space and they have to temporarily move out for a while, but they have to weigh that cost against what they're trying to do. So it's, it's a whole lot of things kind of going into a bucket and analyzing the priorities and looking at what makes the most sense to create the plan to go forward. Yeah, I know that, uh, especially with some older buildings, um, you know, there are some historic places in in cities and towns where there's only so much that you can possibly do. Um, You know, just wanting to make it clear that you do have a lot of options to maybe change the ambiance without doing a full gut, but sometimes a full gut might be needed in order to get to where you ultimately want to be with your clients and customers and revenue and, you know, the importance of this. I I think sometimes we get into a rut. Um, We've had the same retail space for two years now, and I do look around and go, ooh, is it almost time to maybe replace and update the flooring or something like that? you know, versus the flow, which I think is going to cost me a lot more money. I guess the last question has to do with if every seven to 10 years, something dates, let's say we did invest in a remodel. How long do I get seven to 10 out of that? Or do you actually think that a full gut remodel or something could be projected into the future that if I make these investments, I could get longer than that? Well, a functional gut is different. That doesn't date. That's very much about trying to have a crystal ball and know what you're going to do in 20 years, right? So creating a space that has the most flexibility, creating a space that has the most, just the most potential to be all you need it to be would be the big goal. And that would be, once again, weighing against, if I make this really big gut, I can probably keep it for 20 years. The flow is going to be beautiful for 20 years. Or if I make this minor gut, that'll get me by for seven years. So the physical space doesn't date. The physical space aligns with your business plan. The aesthetic space, or what I call the form of the space, that's the part that starts to date. So that's the um, finishing touches on top of the, once again, form follows function. It's the form on top of the function. 
it's an analysis. So we do that every day. We look at, here's the business plan. Here's the goal. What is your goal? And then we lay out, if you do this, what will that look like? Time-wise, downtime, cost-wise, inconvenience. Or if you do this, how long will that get you? And what can you do? So it's a a give and take analysis. And it's not just a, it's a, it's a changes for everyone. It de- all depends on all those different factors. I appreciate that. I, I like that you broke that out because I know that in some instances, you know, having to change the flow or having to change the full gut, you know, every seven to 10 years could seem really daunting, but really oh. if you do it once and you get it the way that you needed to flow for a number of years, then it would be just those updates to keep it fresh and not dated, you know, over the rest of the the time that you're open. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, you need to think of it as two separate, two separate focuses that have to blend together. So when I say form follows function, we also never just paint and powder something that doesn't function well. When I say never, there might be the situation. I have a doctor right now that's He just needs to get by for a year and a half until his lease is up. So we're just going to make it pretty, you know, because he's trying to trying to shift into a new brand and he wants to make it pretty. His lease is up and then he's going to do a whole function layout based on his new space and then carry that branding over. So it's a different, different goal. Amazing. So where can our listeners find your checklist that can help them walk through their space and see where they stand? So we have our, our current website, and I'm saying current because I'm not sure exactly when this will broadcast, but in March, um, we're in the process of updating our website. But our current website is chiropracticofficedesign.com. And if they do chiropracticofficedesign.com forward podcast, they can get the checklist. They can just download the checklist free. And that's where you can find us right now. And that will, when we update our new website, it will be crossfieldsdesign.com and anything that says chiropractic office design will just be forward there. So I hope that's not confusing, but crossfieldsdesign.com in March and chiropracticofficedesign.com right now. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to put that all down inside the show notes. And if you do run a brick and mortar, if you have a retail space, you know, go ahead and download that and, and, you know, set aside an hour and and find a trusted person and go through that and see. And, you know, I don't know that you have to make huge financial commitments right now. I know economic things uh, currently in the world, you know, might make you feel this is going to be unattainable. But thing as Carolyn said, something that you may be able to start working through different refreshes or updates that'll keep you fresh and will keep customers coming back and buying from you. So Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Dawn. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll talk to you next time on the next episode of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. Take care. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. If you want some more information about me or free resources, please visit my updated website, donkkennedy.com. Follow me on social at donkkennedyxo on Instagram and on Facebook at donkkennedymentor. I'll see you next time.